morning, um, we have a special, special treat. Uh, as was mentioned uh, early on, uh, Josie is back with us. And uh, for those of you who are new to us, uh, we're going to introduce Josie in just a moment, let him share a little bit of his story and, and why he has a, a special place here in our family. And, um, uh, but anyway, I'll let, I'll let Josie kind of tell you a little bit about that. But he's been off at Word of Life Bible Institute down in Florida and um, seeking after the Lord. And then God has opened up some doors and leading him into phase two of his life uh, uh, with Word of Life Bible Institute up in New York which will be heading there in the fall. And um, we want to continue to uh, lift Josie in prayer and uh, keep him covered with, with your prayers. Josie, if you would, come on up, brother, at this time. And guys, I'm going to go with the red mic. Does that sound good? Red mic? All right, thank you. And Josie, uh, if you would, brother, come and tell us a little bit about what God's been doing in your life and what's on your heart today. Let's make sure this thing's on. Check, check. Can I do this? You do what you need to, brother. Absolutely. Let me make sure this thing is working properly. It is green here. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. Mike, check. Aaron, check. Check, check, check. Aaron, check. It's on. You good? All right. I'm going to pass off the baton. It's all you, brother. Can, can y'all hear me good? Can y'all hear me fine? Can y'all hear me if I, like, when I yell like this? <laughs> I, I we got to record it. We got to, because it's going out live. Yep, yep. All right, no problem. Yep. Um. So... First and foremost, I am super nervous, so I just want you all to know that. Um, if it gets awkward at any moment, if I choke up or if my voice cracks, bear with me, please. Um, and, you know, signal to me if I need to hold the mic up a little bit higher. So. Um, but I guess I'll just start by introducing myself for, for y'all who don't know me. As Dave mentioned, my name is Josie, uh, Josie Ganoa to be specific. And I am a member of Community Baptist Church. And I, I was a former resident of LaGrange, North Carolina, right out here on West Boundary Street. And for the last year, I've been going to the Word of Life Bible Institute, which I recommend 10 out of 10 for anybody seeking to pursue the Lord, whether right out of high school or at any stage in your life, really. But uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about the experience throughout the entirety of the last school year, along with the ministry that has taken place. Um, I would say that. Word of life can be described, the experience as a student can be described in three words. Um, and this is stolen straight from the pamphlet, you know, when you apply. But it's know, grow, and show. Um, throughout the entirety of the school year, we've been put into what they call the greenhouse. Um, we've been able to sit under other teachers who have studied the word and have become very familiar with it. And we've been able to learn and know God through his word. Uh, and that leads us to. The second portion which is the grow because through knowing God's word and knowing him through his word we've been able to grow not only in our relationship with God uh, but we've been able to grow with with each other uh, we've been it's been super encouraging to be with the people uh, that I've been able to be with this school year and we we just have such a close-knit community uh, a community in which we love one another and pray for one another and encourage one another to step out in our faith um, and both of those elements lead into the third element, which is show. Uh, show is our opportunity to demonstrate what God is doing in our lives so that when we meet other people and when other people uh, step onto the facility and the different ministry opportunities that we have, we're able to show them uh, who God is. They're able to encounter God through the love that we have for them. Um, and the two biggest ways that ministry or the show aspect happens at Word of Life is camp. Camp is such an amazing, such a wonderful opportunity for students to come and be presented with the good news of Jesus. And they're able to learn more about God because students who have been studying the word, who have been growing in relationship with God and with one another, are their counselors, are the people in supervision, supervision positions. Uh, those are the people who are encouraging them to grow in, in their own walk and in their faith. Um, and summer is the culmination of everything that we've learned throughout the school year. The summer ministry uh, is tremendous because literally you're watching people's lives change as, as they come onto the campus. Uh, this summer we got to see uh, over 3,600 students come onto campus between ages six and, and 18. Um, and 
we were able to see 2,655 students make decisions to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. But significantly, uh, we, we saw 770 children trust Christ for the first time in their very lives. And it's just so amazing to be able to have a front row seat to the, to the change that God is doing in other people's lives. And it's just proof that the gospel works because that's what we're able to see while we're there. Um, and the amazing thing about camp, which you, you know from Camp for Faith, like the ministry is not just about the kids. It's not just about the people who don't know Jesus. It's just, a, it's just as much about the people who don't know Jesus as much as it is about the people who do know Jesus. The ministry is, is life-changing, even for the staff, even for the students, um, which leads me to just give you guys a brief testimony, as we call it at Word of Life, of God's story in my life. Um, so I'm going to scroll up and keep with these notes so I don't take the next two hours. But nevertheless, I was brought up to believe what the Bible said about Jesus. But what the Bible said about Jesus and what I believe the Bible said about Jesus didn't change my life initially. Um, I would continue to live the rest of my life uh, seeking to be good, seeking to be validated, seeking to be affirmed by my relationship. And what I would come to the conclusion is, is that people cannot meet the needs that I need when it comes to knowing that I'm good, because the truth is that, I, is, is that I'm not. I learned that I wasn't good by my relationship with people. I learned that the things that I was seeking was for my own gain, uh, and it was selfish. Um, and with that, I, I realized that the world is like that. Like, everyone seeks other people for their own gain. They seek to know that they are good by their relationships, and by the lives they live and the good deeds that they do. Um, and that was me. That was me trying to uh, just validate my own goodness by my relationships. Uh, and I realized that even though uh, I knew that I was bad, I began to believe that God didn't love me, not because I was bad, but because my circumstances, uh, the things that were going on in my life, uh, could, I could not reconcile with the thought of a loving, good God, because how can God be good when the things in your life are going terrible, you know? Um, but I became content with that. Uh, I was content with that because I said, okay, well, perhaps I deserve all of this. Um, and I turned, my, I literally turned my back to God. Um, and mind you, I say this all because most of you do not know my story. You know me. And at this time, I was 17 years old. Uh, Going to this year here in, in the basketball gym. And I was going because I valued that relationship so much, even though I knew it couldn't ultimately provide the affirmation that I needed. Um, and so knowing that I wasn't good, you know, the Bible says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Knowing that I wasn't good, knowing or believing that God didn't love me, uh, I was content with my directory, you know, a godless eternity in a real place called hell uh, because a loving God or a God I believe did not love me would not allow me to be into heaven with him. But there is good news because here at CBC, uh, I got to, to know and come to believe that uh, I got to come to know and believe that God's love for me had nothing to do with me being good. It had nothing to do with my circumstances or, or the standard that I could meet because the reality is the standard is God. Like, he's up here and there's nothing we can do to, to meet that standard. And uh, it was at CBC in which I, I learned that love. I realized that despite my rebellion and my rejection toward God, he was pursuing me. God was pursuing me through y'all. Um, I learned that God's love is so great. His love is so great, that he can get other people to do it. That's beyond me, you know? And, and I realized that God's love was, was that great. And for the first time in my life, I understood what I was missing. I was missing genuine relationship that had nothing to do with my goodness. It had nothing to do with my circumstances. It had nothing to do. I, there was nothing I could do to get God to love me, but there was nothing I could do to stop God from loving me. And, and that was so crucial 
uh, to what I learned that day. And from that point on, I wanted to pursue God. I, I, remember, I remember vividly going to Pursuit Camp. It was Pursuit Camp 2019. Uh, going up there, hearing the gospel message, I went to Pursuit Camp reluctantly. I did not want to go. Pastor Nate came to me and he said, yo, uh, y'all are good to go for a pursuit. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, I didn't want to go. Um, but I went, and as the gospel was presented, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ, that is, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm just pushing it all out of my mind. I'm, I'm continuing to go to youth group because I say, you know what, the, the moment I don't go, that's when somebody is going to come come to where I am because they love me that much, and they're, and they're going to see what's really happening. And I'm like, let me just cruise on ahead like so many of us do. I'm just going to cruise on ahead and allow this to continue without anybody knowing what's really going on in here uh, so that nothing, so that it doesn't get dealt with. Um, and so I, I say all that to say, right, um, that I learned at Pursuit Camp and specifically this moment when I'm sitting in the pew uh, hearing that God wants a relationship with me. And even despite my rebellion, he still pursues me and your love shows that. I remember walking up not caring about what anybody around me was thinking. I did not care because I knew that I was free. I knew that I was free from the disappointment of failure. I knew that I was free from the disappointment of disapproval. I knew that I was free from the sin that was separating me from God. Um, And from that point on, I wanted to pursue God because he loved me. I wanted to pursue God because of what he did for me. Um, That is God's story in my life, but God's story is not just my story. God's story is the story of all of our lives. Um, And so if there's anybody in this building today uh, who genuinely does not or has not trusted Christ to provide for them the relationship with God that they don't even know that they're missing, I pray that God's word uh, would just open your mind in this moment now to uh, know him through his word and and to realize that a relationship with him is the only way uh, that we can know life for sure. And so I would like to go ahead and, and say God's story, not in, not in my words, but in God's words. Um, and so I would love for you to know and acknowledge today that God wants a relationship with you. And many of you know that. Uh, God created you for that very reason. You know, Psalm 100, uh, verse 3 uh, goes on to say, let me find it real quick. Psalm 100, verse 3 goes on to say, it is him who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his of his pastures, it goes on to say. Um, but like me, we naturally rebel against God. We naturally reject God's word and God's ways. The Bible calls that sin. Um, and sin is something that, that all of us have. You know, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Uh, not Ephesians. Romans 5 verse 12 goes on to say, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. It's something that I realized that was the case with everybody. Um, but the thing that, that is true that God says about himself is that he's just. God is just. He will not let wrong go unpunished. He will fix the wrong that we've caused by our rebellion and our rejection. And because God is just, he's provided a solution for this sin problem that we have. Um, the Bible says that the payment for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what you earn. That's what we earn. That's what we deserve because of our sin and our rebellion and our rejection toward God. And so, we have to realize that God's word says that that payment is the only way that our sin problem can be fixed. It can't be fixed by our good deeds. It can't be fixed by the things we say and do. Um, And that's what I had to learn. I learned that I could not become good by my relationships with people. Um, It only proved that I was was as bad as the next person. Isaiah 64, verses 6, continues to talk about sin. It says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. So our good deeds cannot remove the sin. Uh, that is in our life, but God, as loving and just as he is, took our debt onto his own bill. He took our debt for all the sin that we committed. He took it into his own hands and sent his son, his only son, to die a death that we should have died so that we could know him. So God took that payment into his own hands 
and sent Jesus. And I love what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, as I'm flipping. Um, and I always hear this verse. I always hear Romans 5, 8. Uh, but nobody mentions 7. 7 is the logical part of this. God is genuinely considering the cost. Like, why and how do I save man from their own sin and their rebellion and their rejection? And, and Paul goes to talk about it in Romans 5, verses 7. He goes on to say, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's where it gets personal for me because I get it. You know, God sent Jesus. He died for me. It's like getting a gift that you didn't ask for. But the difference is that Jesus died because I put him there, you know. And that's where it gets personal for me because I can, I can reason with Paul when he says one might even die for, for somebody who you consider to be good. But while you're rejecting them, while they're rejecting you, that's what Jesus that's what Jesus did for, for me and for all of us. And so the Bible teaches, God's word teaches, that everyone who puts their trust in Jesus to save them will have life with God forever. Romans 6.23 does have bad news. It says, uh, for the wages of sin is death. But it continues to say, the gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, and that is good news. Um, Jesus goes on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, even if you die, you will live. You know, um, the Bible, God's word continues to, to tell us that, you know, life with God is not just about escaping hell. It's not just about uh, not having to pay for the sin, uh, the debt that we owe to God. It's about knowing God forever. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about the gospel, because life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. You know, John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And this is Jesus talking. I come that you might have life, and life more abundantly. And in verse 28 of that same chapter 10, uh, he's, he goes on to say, uh, I shall give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Verse 29, my Father has given to them me, who is greater than all, um, and no one will be able to snatch them from the Father's hand. And so... Oh, snap, lost my note. Here they are. All right, praise God for technology. All right. And my favorite, John 17, 3, Jesus praying to God for his disciples, saying, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus, the one whom you have sent. Because life, life with God is not about just escaping hell that we deserve. It's about knowing Jesus now uh, and for the rest of our lives. Um, and so I, I go on to pray. And if there really is somebody in this building today who, who's never made the decision to trust Jesus to save you from yourself and from this world of rebellion and rejection toward God, uh, what is stopping What is stopping you from choosing to trust Christ today? And so I, I go on to pray, and God, you are so good. I love you so much, God, except I couldn't even love you if you didn't send Jesus to die the death that I should have died. God, I pray for everyone in here because I thank you for them. I thank you for the love that you have for me. Uh, God, the love that you have for, for me through CBC, God, Second Corinthians 4, 5, 14, talking about the love of Christ controls us, God. I, I thank you for that love that is able to show me that the gospel works. And God, you want a relationship with us. You want a relationship with us, God. So you sent Jesus to die the death for us so that we can know you. God, I pray that no one in here would hear this good news and turn away, God, that they would know life by knowing you and that they would believe in the one you have sent. God, I pray for anyone here uh, who is who is battling with, with knowing what relationship with you looks like. God, I know what that feels like. Uh, when you turn your back to God and, and don't believe that he is for you, but he is against you. Uh, God, I, I pray that they would know that you love them, that you love them so much that you brought them here today, that you allowed them to have life here today. And I thank you for your word, God, that we're able to know your character 
to know that you are loving, to know that you are just, to know that you provide eternal life to all who are willing to trust in you. And so I pray for that one or two or whoever is in this building. I pray for family members, God, that you would use us as ambassadors for your name, as 2 Corinthians 5 continues to tell us, that you would use us to reach our friends, that, that you would use your word uh, and that your spirit would go forward uh, and that you would just convict our hearts uh, of our rebellion and our rejection towards you, but that we would be able to look at the hope that, that we have through Jesus Christ. Uh, God, not only that we would escape hell, but that we would know life abundantly today. And so I pray that you would speak uh, to, the hearts of, to, to the hearts of everyone here today, God. So I thank you once again for the love that you have and for the sacrifice that you made for all of us. In Jesus' name. And so, oh, my bad. Uh, my last words is to y'all who know me, CBC, um, thank you. Thank you for being obedient to God in your presentation of the gospel. Thank you for continuing to host these events where the gospel is shared uh, and allowing people to come in to encounter God through the love that you have for them. Um, because I, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that effort. I, I want to encourage you to know that these things that you do out here, whether in the field or in the basketball court or by the shaved ice place, like the gospel works. And I'm, I'm standing in front of you because the gospel works. Um, and I, I want you to know that there are There are so many kids right outside this window, right over there off west and east boundary, off St. Charles, around all of LaGrange, across your street, right outside your window, just like me, who need the gospel, who need to know that God wants to have a relationship with them. So I ask you, CBC, to continue because there are people out there who are looking for you and are looking for God. They don't even realize it. Um, but I ask you and close with a question. What will you do with the gift that is Jesus? Amen. That's good, Josie. That's real good. Pastor Dean, uh, Pastor Mark, I think we got our fourth man in the lineup uh, when it comes to the pulpit. <laughs> That's good. Church, I'm proud of you. Josie, I'm proud of you. And my heart's encouraged when I hear testimonies like this because it's a reminder to all of us to keep fighting the good fight of faith. We had conversation this week. Um, Pastor Mark and I were meeting with the family and the discussion was shared about the health, the healthiness of Community Baptist Church. Now, we're not a perfect church because I'm a part of it and you're a part of it. All right, we're not a perfect church. But I am so grateful that the hand of God is still with us and upon us and leading us and that our desire as a church as a whole is to seek, and, to seek His truth and follow His way. And as long as we continue to be obedient in our faith and trust Him in His direction, this is more of the fruit that we'll experience. And so church, keep praying for the Josies of our community. Keep praying for the families that fill our pews and you guys know what God has used to draw you in. And I believe it is our love for one another. I believe it is our love for our Savior and the love for the gospel and the importance of sharing that truth. And so let's keep doing that. Keep doing that. Um, being transparent with you guys this, this morning, uh, and, and I know why, as God has a perfect plan, uh, I, I wrestled all week with, um, Lord, what, what am I going to speak today? And uh, this is the third place I've landed, and I just landed there a few minutes ago. 
So uh, no fancy slide presentations, no outlines today. But if you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 3. And again, normally on a, this Sunday we would have been looking at moving into our final installment of RUN. What was the first RUN installment? Internal, uh, internalize. Internalization, right? That's our first one. Internalize. We're to internalize the Word of God. We're to internalize Christ. What was our second one? Invest. We need to invest in making disciples. Community Baptist Church has chosen to invest in Josie as he's off at school. Part of our missions fund helps support students like Josie. Uh, Lord willing, we'll have others who will follow him in this pursuit. Uh, I would love to have four, five, six, seven, ten plus attending a Word of Life Bible Institute. We invest in making disciples. And today we would have talked about influence. You've heard a message, lived out. You've, you've gotten a tangible example before us this morning of impact, the influence of sharing the gospel in the world around us. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other ends of, to the, other ends of the earth. And so we're going to hold off on unpacking that in detail till Lord willing, maybe next Sunday. So come next Sunday if you want that final installment. I know it's Labor Day coming up soon. Man, we're already there. Um, won't be able to wear white anymore. <laughs> Whatever. Come join us next week. We'll try to finish that one out. But what I want to do today, in the time we've got left, um, following the service, we're going to be talking about uh, deacons. You're going to be nominating deacons. And I uh, received a phone call last night from a friend, and um, uh, I think, again, the Lord used that conversation uh, to prompt my heart, knowing providentially what's set before us today, of the importance, if we're going to maintain a healthy biblical church, there are certain key doctrines that must be guarded. There are certain things that must be protected. There are certain things that must be taught. And those uh, are, are those clear doctrinal instructions that are laid out in Scripture for us. They're not there for suggestions, guys. They're not there for, well, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not. No, it's proven authoritative word of God. And so if we want to progress in the future as a healthy church and remain a healthy church, uh, there are certain offices of the pastor, the elder, uh, and that of the deacons that we must biblically define because I promise you the world around you and even those in the pews beside you will seek to pour meaning and definition into those roles and those offices that sometimes, though they may be well-intentioned, are not biblical in definition. And so. Uh, again, um, two situations this week that came up in my own personal life. Uh, one from a pastor, uh, and then one calling on behalf of a pastor, asking for prayer. One pastor resigning, leaving his church. Um, uh, information on my, on my page this week. Uh, I, I, I've told you guys many times I use a, a pastor's page where I seek to try to minister to other pastors, and they minister to me more than I ever ministered to them on that page, and we have a lot of correspondence. And one of those men um, gave his announcement uh, of stepping down from his pulpit. And as I heard the story in his testimony, and then received this call uh, last night, there's similarities. And what the similarities are is a traditional view of these offices and not a biblical view of these offices. And I know we talk, we talk on this and teach on this a lot, but guys, this is one of those fundamental teachings that must be repeated over and over and over and over again. Because we're dull of hearing, right? We don't oftentimes want to receive the truth of God's Word. That's our nature. And so 
it's important that we revisit this scriptural truth. So today I want to talk to us a little bit about the office of deacons, and then we're going to have an opportunity after the service for members, those that are here uh, when we dismiss, uh, you will have an opportunity to put into practice what we have talked about this morning, hopefully understanding the biblical importance of what we're doing. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Again, here's the qualifications of, of the offices, and it starts in chapter 3, verse 1, with the office of pastor. And it lays out those qualifications and descriptions, and then it transitions in verse 8 to the deacons. Notice, if you would, in verse 8. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things, let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for the teaching of your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will drive these truths home, that you will open our understanding, that, Lord, we will seek to hold strong to truth, not tradition. That Community Baptist Church will be protected in the offices of pastors and deacons. That you will keep this church strong and healthy under your headship, under your leadership, seeking after your way. Because, Lord, we recognize it is, a, it is an important area that needs protection. And so may your word guide us, may your spirit lead us, and Lord, may you teach us today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So you should have received when you come in one of these sheets, and I'd encourage you to take that out. It's in your bulletin. It should have been or should have been handed out to you. And again, just from the practical standpoint, we're going to be nominating deacons. and. Our process that we do here, and this is important for those who aren't quite members yet, uh, we usually talk about this in, in, our, in our new members class, but this is a good opportunity for us to talk about it now. Uh, our process is a little bit different, yet we believe it's based in scriptural authority. Um, and so look at the sheet if you would. Our deacons are a vital part of ministering to the community, uh, to uh, the Community Baptist Church family. These men are models of servanthood and caring for the needs of others. That's what our deacons seek to do. Our church is always looking for godly, mature, servant leaders to join our deacon ministry. As part of the search process, we're asking members to prayerfully consider and nominate men they feel may be qualified to serve in our deacon ministry. By the way, we just read what those qualifications look like, so you don't have to guess what it looks like. You have a guide. You have the scriptural authority to guide you when you're prayerfully considering who should I put forward as a deacon. Please prayerfully review the list of biblical qualifications listed below from Acts 6.3 <clears throat> and 1 Timothy 3.8-13. And submit the names of men you think fit the qualifications and who would be good examples of the servant leaders deacon, uh, deacons represent. We base our process on Acts 6.3. And uh, in Acts, uh, in fact, let's just turn there. We'll read it in its entirety. Hold your, hold your paper. Let's hold our spot. We'll go over to Acts um, chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And let's look in verse 1. Acts 6, chapter 1. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying. Now this is cool, man. The church is growing. They're busting at the seams. All right, The gospel's being shared. People are getting saved. The Holy Spirit's been poured out on the day of Pentecost. People are getting saved. 
The gospel is being heard and received. So the church is growing. Well, where you got people, you got problems. Notice what happened. Surprise, surprise. In the church, there arose a complaint. <laughs> that never happens. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. All right, so now we got two different groups here getting a little, little trouble going between them, right? Somebody's stirring the pot. And why? Well, because their widows, the Hellenistic uh, Jews, they were the, the, the Hellenists, they were, their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve, all right, so here's the apostles, the disciples. They, they summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, so here, here's, your, here's your equivalent to the pastors of the day, right? Because the church has started. These guys are serving in the capacity. These apostles are going to go out and church plant. And, and so they're serving here in a pastoral role. Notice what happens. The twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the Word of God and serve table. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among, your, uh, from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now let me just stop there. There's a couple of key things that are taking place in that section of Scripture that, that we need to understand. This is where we get our process of selecting deacon. The pastor said, look, we need to be given to the Word. I understand there's a, there's a problem that's come up. The, the, the widows aren't getting served. Their portions of, of food that needs to be given out. We can't, if we busy ourselves with that, then we're going to neglect the spiritual food that needs to, be, needs to be served. And that's not going to be helpful for any of us. All right, this is paraphrasing, but this is what, it, what happened. So we want you to choose from amongst yourselves seven people full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom. So as you start to see the developing of these Holy Spirit-inspired attributes, qualifications of who should be serving in the role of servant. By the way, the word deacon, three words, used over uh, 180 times in the New Testament, so it's a pretty important word, is the word diakono, diakonos, diakoneia, diakoneia. These are the words that, that are oftentimes used for servant. It's the Greek word servant. There's another word that's also used in the New Testament to describe a, a servant. Anyone know what that word is? Doulos. And doulos is slave. I, I didn't make this up. This is what the Scripture said. Point is this, guys. You and I are either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. You're owned by somebody. That's the bottom line. All of us are. Okay, because as Josie read the passage a while ago, we weren't created for ourselves. We're created for God. We belong to Him. He gives us every breath that we have. All right? So if you're a believer, you're, you're, you're to be a slave to righteousness. We're to serve the Lord. And if we're not, then guess what? You are a slave to your sinful desires. You do what you want to do. And it makes you angry when somebody tries to tell you what to do. That's the reality. Somebody's controlling you. You can push back all day long and say, nobody's going to control me. I'm the master of my own ship. Newsflash. You don't know Christ? Um, you are a slave to your own passions and desires. And that's a different father than the father of believers. Don't take my word for it. Check the Scriptures. And so, we need to examine ourselves, see if we're in the faith. But if you're in the faith, then your desire should be to please your Heavenly Father. Right? That should be our desire. That should be the desire. So, when it comes to 
deacons and serving the Lord. In that early church, the problem arose. The pastors said, look, we need to be given to the Word of God. Choose from amongst yourself. So this is what we do in Community Baptist Church. Once a year, we come around to this time on the calendar, and we'll ask you to pray. You take a week, and you'll pray about it. You'll come back in on that next week. You'll be given a blank sheet of paper. We're going to use the back sheet of this paper in our meeting in a little while. And you should write down the names of individuals that you believe fit this billing. When you read these passages of Scripture, man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, when you look at the qualifications in 1 Timothy, who around you, community, in this, in this church, who around you stands out as that type of person? Who fits that description? Because, again, I know a fruit tree based on the fruit. I know a nut tree based upon the nuts, right? <laughs> anyway, you know, so you look... And you observe. You should see this. And it's funny because used to in the past, you know, and I don't mean any disrespect in this. I really don't. Because I'm, I'm, as I get older, I'm forgetting things. We talked about this in my, in my class this morning. But we ought to know the person, right? We ought to know their name. Because if you don't know their name, do you, maybe, do you really know the person? Now, maybe you just forgot and you can't. Because I have those moments where I'm like, oh, man, that's dude, your name just like left me, you know. But it usually comes back in at least a day. <laughs> but anyway, you've had a week to pray about it, right? So you ought to be able to come in here and write down the name. You shouldn't be waiting to the last minute and say, now, I can't think, who's that guy? You've had a week. <laughs> pray about it. If you're not sure, Pastor, that guy, I just lost his name. He sits over, he, talk to us, right? Talk to us. But again, you should know them well enough to know the fruit of their tree. Ah, that's an orange tree. I clearly see that's an orange tree, right? So, you come in this moment, we write down those names of those, those people. Now, you're sitting here and say, well, I don't see anybody like that. I don't know anybody in this church that fits that. Then don't write a name! Please don't write a name! You see, this is what's gotten churches in trouble. There are dying churches all around America and the world today because the wrong men got put forward into positions and they didn't understand the biblical role, the word servant. And too many in our Baptist churches see those positions as authority. So they step into those roles. Now I'm going to change some things around here. And too often times we have controlling boards, the good old boy network, or as the Bible says, men, Diotrephes, who likes to have preeminence. He wants to be the one calling the shot. And we all know churches where there's a, there's a layman who was put into a position of quote-unquote authority, by the way, that the Bible doesn't give them, Who, who appointed these men? In this little passage we just read. Who appointed these men? Okay. The church, but who gave them the instructions to seek out? The elders did. And then, after they sought out those men, who appointed them? Don't take my word for it, guys. Read the text. I'm not trying to confuse anybody. I'm not trying to push an agenda. I'm simply trying to read the Scriptures. It's amazing if we'll just read the Scriptures, what it teaches. Look at the Word of God. Now, in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglecting the daily instruction, uh, the distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude. Here's your pastors calling a meeting. And they said, It's not desirable that we should leave the Word of God. And serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. See, they're given the instructions on what to do here. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And notice this phrase, whom you, whom other deacons, whom the layman. No, who does it say? Whom we may appoint over this business. 
Now, there's oversight for those deacons to have. What is it in? In specific, this conflict. Specifically, they have been deputized to oversee this, right? This is great uh, uh, teeing up for Dr. Carver's Sunday school class because this is the kind of stuff he talked about, right? God does things decently and in order. There is a flow in the household of faith. There's a flow in every thing that God has put his fingerprint on. Government, there's an order. There's supposed to be. Notice the disorder in government. That's why you have anarchy and chaos. There's order in family. And when you don't have a family intact, in proper order, you have anarchy and chaos. You see, we get in trouble when we go away from God's clear instruction. God desires the household be in order. And so, dad has, has leadership in the home. Mom, alongside dad, right? Because if dad's smart, he's weighing the counsel of his wife and not just lording and ramrodding his agenda through, right? They work together. They listen to one another. They reason together. But at the end of the day, dad has the responsibility to lead the home, not the mom. And Scripture's clear about that. It was not Adam who was deceived first, but Eve. Read the Scriptures, guys. It's there. And when our houses get unhealthy and the children start calling the shots in the home, you got chaos. Sorry, kids. You know? But hey, a good dad and mom sometimes want to hear, what do you guys want to do today? Right? What, what, what do y'all... So, so again, this is order. This is what we see in the church. He goes on and says, um, verse 4, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Verse 5, And the saying pleased the whole multitude. Oh boy, there's a first. That's the first, probably the last. The whole church was complete and happy <laughs> with that saying. And then you see they begin to choose the men. That's why what we do with the office of deacon is hugely important. It's not something we should enter into lightly. In fact, there's another scripture in the, in the New Testament that says, don't lay hands on someone too hastily, because in so doing, you become a partaker of their sin. Well, what does that mean? It means this. There's somebody I think, well, you know what? He seems like a nice fella. I don't really know him that good, but I'm going to write his name down. He seems like a nice guy, and I write his name down. I'm laying hands on him. That's a scriptural term to say I'm identifying with him. I'm, putting his, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting him. I'm, I'm in with him. And that guy is practicing a lifestyle of sin. Let's say that guy ends up being a diatrophies and he wants to push through his agenda and he wants to make leadership roles that don't rest with him, that rest with the pastors and the elders, and so he wants to start pushing his agenda. Guess what? You will be responsible in the day of judgment for your aligning with him and his sin. That's Scripture. Don't lay hands on someone too hastily. Because in so doing, you will become a partaker of their sin. Some men's sins and their, 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 their judgments come this side of the earth. Others is still waiting to come. And so sometimes we wonder, why are these men allowed to run ramrod in some of these places? Well, again, God says in His Word, sometimes it, it, we don't understand His purpose and plan, but there's a purpose and plan. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. That Timothy passage that we looked at, and, you, and I encourage you to turn back over there if you would, it not only speaks to the men, it speaks to their wives. Too often times, uh, we end up saying, well, that guy, you know, he's good. I don't really, you know, his wife, she's a bit of a busybody. She's kind of a gossip, you know, whatever. And, and, but I'm going to overlook it to, because he's a good guy. This is a qualification for the household, right? 
And again, likewise, this is no different for the pastors. We're, the qualifications laid out here for pastors and deacons, look at the context. And just like if my children are actively involved in a sin while they're under my roof and they're not repentant, they're rebellious in nature and rebellious in their attitude towards the things of God, then the Scriptures have a strong warning for us, church. If I can't manage my own household, how can I manage this household? And I need to, I need to step down. And so, these are things that Scripture tells us. Um, now, I think the church has done a poor job in the past on sometimes immediately because maybe they don't like the preferences of that pastor. They don't really care for his, you know, what, what he's been leading them in, even, even though they sometimes don't check to know if that's what God's leading him in. And the second they got some situation to throw an accusation, we got something now, his kid's in rebellion. This will get rid of him. Well, I hope that would never be the case at community. But it's been the case in a lot of churches. And that's sad. Because the desire of God, and I see on the pages of Scripture, is that discipline comes for the purpose of what, church? To kick them out? Is that the purpose of discipline? What's the purpose of discipline? Restore them. You who are spiritual, when you see a brother overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, help restore them. But man, sometimes we're lining up. Just waiting, just waiting for that moment. No, 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 no. We need the love of Christ to compel us and lead us in these things and the truth of Christ to guide us. Well, time's about done here. I want to I want to give you some just three quick things real fast to kind of sum it up. Uh, a little book here, somebody let me borrow. Thank you, Mr. Eric Creech. Um, and, and and I want you to, to to hear this again. Those three words I mentioned: dokinos, dokinea, dokineo. Um, used over a hundred times. Three things: deacons. These are three things deacons do. Um, the responsibility of deacons. These are three major headings we see here in the First Timothy passage. Three things that they do. Number one, deacons are accountable for specific commands. Remember in that Act 6? They were, they were accountable for a specific command in that situation. Hey, these widows are having conflict. We need you to oversee this situation and work it out. So, deacons, oftentimes, Pastor Dean, Pastor Mark, and myself will say, hey guys, we need you to take care of this. Okay, that's scriptural. That's Act 6. All right? It's not, and, and this is not, I'm telling you, this is not trying to be ugly. It's not trying to elevate any position or authority just because I happen to be in that seat. Please, please, please. I, I don't care if I'm in it. This is for you in the future. This is for the protection of Community Baptist Church 50 years from now. It's not a bottom up in the household of faith, just like it's not in your household. It's just not. That's just not how God designed it. It's not about an equality. It's about a role and responsibility. Please don't confuse that. It's not about equality. We're all equal. We're all created in the image of God, every one of us. We all have great value, every one of us. Our value is not any lesser because I'm a stay-at-home mom and somebody else is in the workforce. No, Scripture gives us our value, and that value is in we're creating the image of God. We're image bearers. Deacons are accountable for specific commands. And, and number two, um, for the, they support the ministry of the Word. They support the ministry of the Word. Remember the men in Acts 6? They were, they were filling a need, right? The widows were being overlooked. And, and as a result the mission of the church began to suffer. That's why prayer and proclamation of the Word, the leadership said, look, we've got to be given to this. And so in order for them to be able to do that, they needed to take that responsibility. So one of the responsibilities of deacon is to support the ministry of the Word. 
And by the way, who were they serving in order to do that? What two people groups were they serving so that could happen? Who were they? Yeah. The elders and the members. The deacons were serving both of those in, the, in this. So deacons' responsibility is to serve the pastors and to serve the members. That's, that's Scripture. That's Scripture. And then the third thing, um, by the way, I like this quote. Um, let me read this to you. The deacons were appointed to free up uh, the apostles, in this case, availability for the preaching of the word. We see then the balance that God intends for His church to be fully devoted to the Word and fully devoted to the meeting needs in the world. The church needs individuals who are devoted to both of these tasks. Deacons serve elders so they can lead. That's part of it. Deacons uh, serve others. They lead others, actually. They lead others so they can serve. Notice uh, as the seven men who were chosen in Acts 6, certainly not a large enough group to handle the food distribution problem for a church that contained thousands of people by this time. The deacons were surely organizing others to make certain the work was done. This is why here at Community Baptist Church, we do what's called deacon helpers. And I can't tell you how important that ministry is to develop. I know Tommy can get it done. I know Randall can get it done. I know Larry can get it done. I know Barnett can get it done. All right? But it's not about y'all. It's about the ministry. And if Larry's got three guys that he is leading, that he is pouring into, that he is training, so that when one day Larry goes, Ugh. sorry Larry, we'll all get there. These three men can all three step forward because they've been discipled. He's invested. This is what multiplies the ministry and grows the ministry. So, deacon helpers are important. And the third thing that they did, we see here, they unify the body around the Word. That's what deacons do. They unify the body around the Word. There were certain needs to be met in Acts 6, but there were also deeper issues at stake. Physical neglect was causing spiritual disunity. A problem arose amongst the Hellenists, and the, right? So, their, their physical neglect was causing spiritual disunity, and Christians were beginning to complain against one another. Deacons were appointed to squelch the tension and rising disunity in the church. Again, this runs directly counter to our typical association of deacons with disunity, gossiping, and complaining. But in Scripture, deacons labor to promote unity in the church. They are what we might call the shock absorbers in the church. That's good! Again, when I think of these two situations that came to me this week, I'm afraid to say, instead of those deacons working to bring unity, it seems they may be causing disunity. That's an unhealthiness. That only the Word of God can rectify. Only the Spirit of God can change. And I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to pray that that's exactly what God is doing. Changing hearts. Because it's His church. It's not that diatrophies that's in the midst. And it also serves as a reminder to us community that as we move forward in our meeting here in just a second, the importance of us putting forth men who are full of the Holy Spirit, who rely on the authority of Scripture to guide them and lead them. That's important for the sake of unity in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I trust that your word was delivered today, your message that needed to be shared today was just that, your message. 
Lord, it's no doubt these things don't happen by accident. Uh, Today's the day we write the names of men who will serve this body, who will serve the elders and serve the members. Uh, They will lead teams of deacon helpers. They will be tasked with the responsibility to develop those members. Your word said, let them first be tested, then approved. Lord, let this be testing ground for future servants, servant leaders, that you would call for your glory, for your name's sake, to serve well as we've had a history of great deacon servant leaders here. May your word be honored and may Christ be glorified. And Lord, in closing, I want to pray for these two dear brothers, pastors that I know, you'll protect them, protect their families, protect their testimony. And yet, Lord, give them your Holy Spirit leading as to your perfect will, your words, your comfort, your grace, that which is needed. And I want to pray for those others who've been called to serve under them that they would recognize their God-given role and that their hearts might be turned like a river to you, your leadership, for your name's sake. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget, Varner Shindig, bring your chair. Uh, may want to bring some bug spray, but we tried to kill them yesterday. We watered them. <laughs> anyway. Uh, It's going to be worse now. Uh, Show up 6 o'clock. Be a good time out at our place. And uh, looking forward to seeing you then. Uh, Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, co-worker, pick up a stranger, hitchhiker, whatever. Just come see us. We'd love to have you there. You are dismissed. Members, just take a, a quick stretch. And we won't take but just a few minutes of your time. Thank you.